Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. Listen, I wore my happy shirt today because we have <laughs> such, well, we have two, there's lots of reasons I wore the happy shirt, FYI. If you're listening to this on the podcast, just imagine. Hawaii. I'm Don Ho. <laughs> imagine what, Hawaii, everyone. That's what you're going to think about in your life. We have so many surprises and um, and it's a really sad chapter, so you had to wear a happy shirt anyways, but... Such a good idea. Yeah. But don't worry, we're balancing the sadness with all the happy news. We are about to tell you, you guys, we have been bursting for months. We are so <laughs> excited. We have three surprises. All of them are as good as the others. One might be just a little bit better than this. Yeah, it might. It might. But okay. so many good things. Here's surprise number one, everybody. If you got the newsletter, then you are already on board with this, but... We're so excited about this. Okay, these are fake prints of them, but they are at the printer. You're so happy. We started way earlier this time, so we don't have the problem we had last time. Of selling out. But the pre-sale is going on right now for these. And it's done. They will ship in the order that they are sold. Now, hopefully you watch this before October 31st. The newsletter people are one week ahead, but um, they are actually at a early bird discount. Um, until October 31st. Which is so so good and so fun. We're so happy about that. Yeah. So 15% off until the 31st. If you have no idea what this is, we're about to show you something inside it. These are the study guide journals. These pages that you see on the board um, that you can study along with. We'll we'll show you the inside in just a second. Yeah, we can't wait to tell you about the inside, but we have other fun stuff to talk about. Okay, surprise number dos is this is also available um, at Desiree Book. Uh, this is a just, they are mini daily devotionals yep. is what they are. One for every chapter in the Doctrine and Covenants. And it's just a short little read. A lot of people do them at breakfast right before everyone leaves for school. Or they're perfect for like at night right before family prayer. It's a verse and then a little thought that goes with it. And then a question that you can ask and just think about. They're just really easy for daily devotionals. Yeah. One of the things we tried to do this year that uh, you might notice is a little bit different is we try to also teach a little bit of the history of that section. The church in there. history yeah. in behind there what's going on also. because it makes you love the scriptures so much more. Right. So this is also available. This is what we're going to call the devotional book. And this is always called, if you're new this year, you if you were here last year, you already know. This is the journal, study guide journal, devotional book, both available so okay and now uh, and now something really really <laughs> exciting and we're gonna have a little premiere right now is that Ready? what we should call it the, the premiere? premiere yeah okay. get your popcorn hi everyone i'm david butler i'm emily freeman welcome to don't miss this and this is jason deer yeah he's from nashville tribute band we are not in emily's basement with a chalkboard behind us we're <laughs> taking a field trip every single month what did we call them i can't remember dmtfpt let's race one of the dmtfc Got it. We want to bring you out here. Our goal is to let you experience the story of the Doctrine and Covenants in the places where it took place. I told my mother what troubled my heart. I saw the worry as she took me in her arms. I told the preacher We'll see you in the Doctrine and Covenants. Get ready, and everybody. It's going to be see. such a good year. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Are you super excited <laughs> right now? What going to say? Listen, we went out to, we started in New York. No, we didn't. We started in Pennsylvania. That's true. I don't even know where we started, but we came across. And next year, we will have at least one video per month and some months Two more. Or um, three yeah, in one. Actually on site. So we and will they're teach everywhere. the Let's lesson. Let's tell about everywhere. Yeah. 
Pennsylvania, the Susquehanna River. Emma's house. Oh, and the hills. And then we went to Sacred Grove. Sacred Grove and everything Smith that Family happened Farm. there. And then we came over to Ohio, Kirtland. We go to the John Johnson Farm and the City of Kirtland. Yeah, all all of those places in Kirtland that are that place is a treasure. Y'all can't even wait. And and the family. Oh, let's talk about the Johnsons for just a second. Oh, you we're getting... cannot wait to meet the Johnson family. And they're on the CD. Okay, let's just talk about this for a minute. <laughs> you guys, we recorded. We worked with the um, Nashville Tribute Band. And then we loved the Johnsons so much. In Ohio, we recorded them singing The Spirit of God, which is now your new favorite rendition of The Spirit of God you've ever heard in your life. And then cute Jason Deere talked us into singing on the cd the new cd that is coming out which was a really good idea for him <laughs> i don't think that's i should true. have played the keyboard everyone but it's still a good memory i'm a shower singer <laughs> i did not record it in the shower for the record so if you're like what is happening we have a soundtrack national tribute band each of those field trips we call them don't miss this field trips that are in a place, we will teach the lesson from that place as if we were at the chalkboard, but we're not. Yeah, because we're really like on Emma's porch. Well, we teach section 25, for example, and then there will be a music video with a song from Nashville Tribute Band with like some beautiful B-roll behind yeah, it. Yeah, you're going to be able to see and... everything there, everything. And if you've never been or you might not ever be able to go, that is why we went. We just wanted to bring the Doctrine and Covenants and the places and the people to life at your house. Yeah. So we have a soundtrack and we'll have a list that comes out at the beginning of the year where you can get that um, Spotify, different places. Spotify, iTunes, And, and then we did record those three extra songs. And but the Desert Podcast. Desert Book will have those. <laughs> we couldn't help it. But one of the things that we you will notice in the journal that's a little bit um, unique this year Number one, you're going to say, David, your drawings got so much better. They this really is a did. little embarrassing, got but so we much better. Wrote... Look how fun we're about to have. Show yours. Yours is super fun, too. Oh, I didn't even... Yeah, we wrote... When we rode in the car, when we picked this up, I was, it was, I was embarrassingly telling Emily how much I loved each page. That's <laughs> embarrassing. But um, we really want to focus on the people of the Doctrine and Covenants. And we the want stories. To see, and the stories. We want to see it through their eyes. So one of the things that we're going to try and do to help the sections of the Doctrine and Covenants come to life is like, what was the problem? What was the prayer? What was the need? Um, what was the personality of the person that was looking for an answer in each of the sections? And, and then the revelation will come, yeah. which makes you love the revelation so much more because we're going to talk about everything that was happening in the life behind that revelation. So you'll have this page that you might be used to, which is the study guide page that you fill in as we study the scriptures. Um, then the notes page, which is the same as well. And the spot to write a daily um, thought as you do a daily study. And then we if love you this want. page. And then we updated this. So the study guide papers are better. I just, I think He's they are. So they really are. I, I wish we could have been <laughs> but... in the car when he was just like, look how good I did on this. He was like six. No, but I, it, they turned out good, I think. Um, but this page is our favorite page. Um, I don't know if you know this right now, but this is something that's trending in the Christian world. And it is so powerful mm. to kind of have um, a prayer journal or a, um, an Answers from God journal. Mm -hmm. And and we combined it into our study journal for the year because... It's like a revelation journal. That yeah. We want this to be like working revelation. Just like the Doctrine and Covenants was working revelation in people's stories. This We want this to be yours. Yeah, so there's just going to be spots. Just take a peek for a second. There's going to be spots to write out your prayers if you want to. Sometimes for yourself, for others, to write down some of the answers you're receiving you're, the errands yeah. that you get. I love this one. Just what's the Lord telling you to do this week? And then we love this gratitude. Just remembering when you see the hand of the Lord moving in your life um, to recognize the gratitude there. So, so many good things. And, yeah. and if you think this is exciting, everyone, let me just say this. Wait until Christmas next year because... Oh, next year just gets better and better by the month. It does. It just gets better. Okay, so pre-sale right now. I think these are available. No, they're pre-sale also. Yeah. I can't remember. Both pre-sale. This one on sale until October 31st. Hopefully you see this by then. That's the journal for the podcast people. 
Um, yeah, study guide journal for the Should podcast. Should we walk people. away from the board again now? Okay. Seriously, yep. so you can look at the board because we're going to jump, jump into in. our lesson. That was so fun though. Yeah, it? all the things. So many fun things. Okay. Okay. Now not as fun, but it's okay because you feel really happy from the first few minutes. Mormon 1 through 6 is really the, it's when the dumpster fire begins of the whole, mm. just world. like Of the whole everything. world, not just the Book of Mormon. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to even think about what's, I mean, this, it really, really gets super sad here. By the time we get to the end of our lesson today, there's 24 Nephites that are even remaining. Um, like, I just, oh, this, this whole section is, it's a little bit depressing. Yeah, it is, but it. it's okay. There's good stuff in here, so, so don't worry. So much good there stuff, and good that's, stuff. that might be the lesson. The idea that we kind of have right here is, can you rise up and experience God inside of a wicked world? Can truth and goodness grow in a place like this? And that that is the question and, and I think the lesson from these sections. Mm, you so know? good. So one of the things that we, let's start with what Mormon's world is like. Yeah. So you have That's this good. box over here of some of the verses here that describe what his, the world that he lives in um, is like. Um, it just says, verse 13, for example, is one of those. Mormon 1.13. Wickedness did prevail on the face of the whole land. And I, when I was reading this this week, I you couldn't help but think about President Nelson's talk from Sunday mm-hmm. morning where he said, let God prevail yeah. in your life. And how opposite it was in their world that wickedness was winning. That wickedness was influencing. That it just like you found it everywhere it was making all of the decisions and you love that it just comes right off of that in a world where wickedness did prevail just that that thought even in our world of a prophet standing up and saying let me give you a little hint as to where we are and what's happening this is a really good time to choose to let god prevail mm-hmm. which is so interesting when you talk about this chapter you almost want to bring that talk right in yeah because you'll see spoiler in chapter six Mormon's going to almost extend this invitation to us talking to like those who failed and let yeah. wickedness prevail, almost saying like, don't let, don't this let that happen to you because mm-hmm. it's frighteningly easy for it. And it's so interesting just as you're thinking about like how quickly things went downhill because in one verse, all of a sudden the Lord takes away the disciples. He takes away the miracles, healing cease. There are no gifts from heaven. I'm so interested in this one. The Holy Ghost did not come upon any and um, the reason is their wickedness and their unbelief. That's that's the problem. It's those two things. And all of a sudden, all the goodness is gone. Yeah, so it's interesting that you could then say the opposite, that righteousness and belief then open the door for all of those things. Healing I, I, yeah, and gifts Because and I always miracles. think it's interesting that it's, that always mentions healing, that the healing stopped. But every time I read that part about the healing stopped, I actually don't think about like blindness and and cripples. I think about the healing of the heart mm. and how tragic that is. That like forgiveness is a healing of the heart and like yeah. mending of relationships. Like it's it's awful to consider a world where there was it no really healing happening. And it's interesting to think in a world that is like that. Like I know even right now as I look at the conditions of the world we live in and it's the contention, it's the division, it's the just this constant battle it feels like. And then even with social media and everything that's happening there, and you start getting really nervous for the rising generation. You, I do, and I don't even have anyone that age at home anymore, but I feel the anxiety of how do you grow up someone righteous in the conditions that we're living in? And I love going through and just watching what was Mormon's life like and what are the key things he describes as a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, an 18-year-old, that allowed him to just rise up with such a good heart in such a wicked world. Because don't you want to think about that for your boys and think, what was it that Mormon was learning and also then passing on to his kids in such a wicked time that that were the the things that grounded him? Yeah, because it's interesting to think those verses in 18 and 19, which are so interesting because remember it says, God forbade me to preach. And you're kind of like, wait. Like, we've been invited to preach at prisons. Yes. So how is it that bad yeah. that God says, like, we, I can't, maybe it's too dangerous or I don't know what it was, but 
he says has this line that makes us Mormon 2 verse 19 that's so like oh it's like soul wrenching where he says my heart has been filled with sorrow because of their wickedness all my days but then look what he says next two things can be true at the same time he says I observed and was sorrowful all my days nevertheless even though that's the world I lived in I, I know that I will be lifted up at the last day. Meaning like I lived with sorrow and mm. hope at the same exact time. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I love the thought too, as you're looking at, where were you just now? Uh, 2.19. Oh, as you're looking at all my days and all of that stuff that was happening in his life and that he wasn't allowed to preach where everyone else was preaching. But we know someone must have been teaching him in the walls of his home and and we know because we watch what happens with Moroni that he was teaching in the walls of his own home, which all of a sudden makes what's happening in the walls of your home so crucial to the time that we live in. Because what do we learn about Mormon? You love just at the very beginning, um, he had been taught somewhat after the manner of the learning of his people. So there's some sort of teaching going on. Um, he was a sober child and quick to observe. Yeah. Oh, um, okay, let's talk about that. Yeah, well, before we do quick to observe, I just love that there's this Amaron. Okay, yes. Man who, who just is like, he comes and he sees some potential um, in Mormon. And he, and he comes just as this, he comes as an angel for him. And, uh, and someone who is a mentor, a spiritual mentor mm. who can guide him in this world. I just, I love that that whole thing begins with someone saying, I perceive. And you love that it happens when he's 10, it yeah. sounds like, or just somewhere around that time that someone went up to him and said, I see goodness in you. And because of that goodness in 14 years from now, God has a work for you to do, which does make you want to think, when is the last time you said that to Jack? or to Christian, you know, when's the last time you said that to one of your kids? I see goodness in you and this is the goodness that I see. It's really interesting because many, many years ago when my daughter Meg was in fifth grade, it was such a bad year for her. It just was a hard, hard year. And she struggled with learning disabilities that made it so that people teased her at school and then she would come home with so much anger that she would go right up to her room and we just, we could not, get in past the anger. We just lived in this really angry place for a lot of years and it was sad. It was sad for me as a mom. And I prayed about it all the time. What, What do I do to help her? Because if we continue down that road too much longer, I wasn't sure what was gonna become of Megan. And the spirit told me one morning, go get a picture of Megan, a school picture from the last time you remember her being happy. So I went upstairs. And I went through all the school pictures and I found this cute picture of her. She was wearing this cute pink turtleneck and this pink sparkly vest over it. And I looked at her eyes and her face and she just was happy. And I hung it on my mirror in my bathroom. And then the spirit said, try to remember her gifts at that time and only talk about that and nothing else. Which was really hard because what I wanted to talk about was what the problems were at school and what the problems were at home and addressing the anger and addressing all the things that were going on. But I didn't. I looked at that picture every morning and I remembered I was supposed to talk about every time I saw Megan, what Megan was good at, which in fifth grade, I still remember. She was very obedient. She was very organized. Like she could walk into a situation and she could organize that situation so quickly, whether it was cleaning or whether it was an agenda or whatever it was, she just had this gift for it. And the thing I loved her about her the most, probably that came from that same gift is she knew how to serve people so well for the fact that she could walk in and see a need and address it immediately. And so that's all I started talking about every time I saw her, how Megan, you are so good at this serving, or if she would come home and say something that was hard, I would be like, you know what you would be really good at because this is your gift is this. Well, things did not change overnight. Like for years that went on back and forth of me telling her, this is what I see in you. And I don't even know how long it was because this is how I know what happened. One day I was years 
after that, standing at my bathroom doing my hair and Megan walked in and the picture was still up there and I had forgotten the picture. It just had become part of the bathroom. And Megan walked in and said, I've always wondered if you love me the most because I'm the only <laughs> picture you have hanging in the bathroom. And I remember it lifted my heart so much to think that for that many years, that's, that's what, she, what thought. she thought every time. Like the spirit was so smart. He was so smart to tell me what to do as a mom. But he was just gently telling Megan, you know what? Your mom just loves you. Your mom just sees so much good in you. And mm. it makes you wonder in a time like this, in a time like this, do we need to be saying to our kids, this is what you're good at and mm. this is what your gifts are and this is what God has in mind for you. Do we need to be doing more of that? Yes. <laughs> um, and it, how powerful it is that someone was doing it here when he was 10 years old. Yeah, when it was a really, really easy time to just chalk everybody up as a loss. Yeah. You know, when yeah. it was just like, oh, everyone's a loss right now. Um, we have a little box there about that quick to observe. Um, Elder Bednar gave a great um, talk on what that spiritual gift is at mm. BYU. So just look up BYU speeches. We'll link it in the newsletter just that, yeah. to like um, talk a little bit more about that and learn a little bit more about that if you would like. Um, you'll notice that he says to observe can be to look or notice and then to obey. Which is interesting because Amaron had that gift apparently. You know, he was able to like look and see something. And then obey. And then you have that gift in your story. You didn't mean to do that, but I will just point <laughs> it out to you. They're like, oh, I looked and I noticed something. And then I sought heaven's help in it. And that is the gift of being quick to observe. To see that, oh, there is a need here. Now I seek heaven's help and I'll obey it when, when I get it. There's, there's a lot of power in that, in that gift, particularly in a wicked world. Um, um, I love too when you look up sober. This is another one you just want to go down to that footnote because sometimes you think sober means not fun, like quiet or like removed from what was going on. And because remember, Joseph calls himself sober also that you're always like, well, he must have not been very fun. But I love down here when it says sober meant trustworthy, which I love that, that like he was not affected by everything that was going on, that's what sober meant, that he could be trusted with a responsibility, with an errand from the Lord, with a visit from an angel. He could be trusted with those kinds of things. And now don't you want to be that person to be like sober? sober? Yeah. yeah. Well, you just think about it. Like it's an, the opposite of sober is drunk or in other words, influenced by something else. Oh, that's you such know? a good way and of thinking so about it. So if you are sober, it means like, oh, I'm not You're being not influenced. influenced by an, you know. Oh, that I'm might be my favorite definition of sober ever. Not drunk? Um, not influenced. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone knows that one. Not influenced um, when, by everything that's going on around you. That's really good. So this is really powerful that he's told when you're 24, which is 14 years from now, you're going to have this sacred responsibility. But that's 14 years that he will live. And it's interesting to, and neat to see the lessons he learns along the way. Maybe Before. the things that prepare him for what is actually going to happen. Yeah. And one of those is in verse 15 when he's 15 years old. Oh, we love this part. You're going to want to get your pen out for this part. Um, and he says this. Well, tell the background of this. So it's so, an interesting year because he's going to tell you, and I being 15 years of age... And um, it tells us at the bottom, that's about AD 326. So this is a time, remember, the disciples have been taken away, the miracles, the healing, there's no gifts, the Holy Ghost isn't coming upon any because there's so much um, unbelief. This is 326, we're in the Americas, right? This is the what's going on in the Americas, but it's interesting at the same time, in the same year, right around 325, is when the Nicene Creed is written. And this is at a moment, what's going to happen for Mormon is he's going to be visited by the Lord, right? It's almost the same as Joseph. At 15 years old, when all of this is happening, the Lord is going to come and visit this boy. Yeah, when the rest of the world is it's, compromising yeah, and, and trying, like, to trying to figure out. God and you out. love that there's this, this group of people that is going to try and define God. And here in America, there is a boy who's actually visited 
by God in that same year, which is so interesting. Yeah, it's it is like the planning and timing of that yes. if there was is remarkable to consider. Yeah. And the like the like the parallel with Joseph Smith's life is like which makes me think I've thought about this a couple times when studying the whole book of Mormon, meaning the book of Mormon in the book of Mormon, one through nine. How what Joseph would have thought as he translated mm, it. That's so and how many like spots he would have been like, that's you know, my story. like wait that yeah. Where he's just like, wow. Yeah. And it happens so many times as you read it. It's it's really neat. But we love this phrase as a just a chance to like reflect on this for a minute, where he just says, I was visited of the Lord and tasted and knew of the goodness of Jesus. And I, it, it it just I think will be a, a beautiful pondering session to think wait when have i tasted and known of the goodness of jesus particularly mm-hmm. in a really difficult surroundings and right because that's he says yep. despite the fact the world looked like this i tasted and knew you know of his goodness yeah i just want to think really quick before we move on from this i have the opportunity to teach um seminary and a group of students And if I was teaching that group right now, I would stop right now and just say, I want you to think if you are 14 or 15 or 10 or 16 or 17 or 18, what did you notice about this boy that could be true of you? And just some of those standouts that we just talked about, I love that he was not influenced by what was going on. I love that he was like quick to observe. This is what's happening. This is what I should do. I love that he had prepared himself to have personal experiences with Jesus Christ. That's how he lived his life. And because he was prepared to have those personal experiences, whether that means through scripture study, whether there was some sort of home church at their house, whatever they participated in that drew them closer to Christ, he made sure that was part of his life regularly. And because of that, he was able to taste and know the goodness of Jesus. And it would be awesome right now to just stop for a minute and think, is that me in the world that I live in? And if it if it isn't, what could you do to make it more like you in this moment? Yeah, and I think it's important to like pass off the temptation to believe like, well, that can't happen in a world like this or in my circumstance. And it can't happen at my particular age because this story says, very loud and clear that yes that can happen for someone in this kind of world and at that particular age i think that's such I love a this. powerful Say this yeah right is it possible to have sacred moments in this world and at this age and the book of mormons gives a resounding yes to that i was telling emily that i was studying um the in the book of enoch <laughs> I keep calling it that too. Everyone, don't you want that to be the name? It's really Moses 6 and 7, but you just a little bit want to call it the Book of Enoch. Yeah, well, okay. So in this Book of Enoch, <laughs> Sorry, I that, that, talks about, <laughs> that talks about um, the city of Enoch, that, you know, this great city where there was no, there was unity and righteousness and, and God dwelt among them and there was no poor. And it's a beautiful description of this city. And as I was studying it, I realized, oh my gosh, that city is being formed at the same time the world is so wicked that we're about to have a flood. So in that flood world that we would maybe arguably say was our worst part of our past yeah. as humanity, in that world, this city of Enoch grew out of a place like that. And isn't it neat to, to just ask yourself this question, like, where do I see that goodness growing out in this world like where am i seeing zion pop up where am i seeing the goodness of jesus kind of like manifest itself right now and you're going to see it in people right that's where it's going to be manifest in people and we love that you're going to see it in mormon you love this one verse that just says with all of this stuff that is going on but i did remain in verse 17 And I just love that thought. It it echoes of being steadfast. It echoes of that firmness within, right? That enduring faith. That's what is echoed of in this chapter is him remaining. And it's so fun to talk a little bit about why 
Um, what gave him the courage? And there's just a couple little hints we want to point out here because they're such a great lesson. Do you want to do these two and I'll do that one? Yeah. Um, if you look a couple verses down, it says, It came to pass or sorceries and witchcraft and magic and the power of the evil one was on all the face of the land. And he says, Even unto the fulfilling of the words of Abinadi and also Samuel the Lamanite. It's interesting that many, many prophets prophesied about that, but that Mormon keys in on those two, which happened to be two prophets who had to stand alone and who had to remain, um, even though that was happening. Abinadi alone tied up to the, you know, before the king. Samuel the Lamanite alone on the wall. And we just think it's neat that that's who he looked to in the past to give him courage to remain in, in his day and and, and who's that for you? Yeah, we just love that thought there. He hints toward one more and you only catch it if you're looking for it. But in verse Mormon 2, 23, it says, And it came to pass that I did speak unto my people and did urge them with great energy that they would stand boldly before the Lamanites. And then listen, who do you think this hints of? And fight for their wives and their children and their houses and their homes. And you just, as you think about it, you're like, that has to be Moroni. It just has to. And we kind of think it is. We left you a fourth square right here because he names his son Moroni. Yeah. So you just, you think to yourself, there were three heroes he was looking at. And I think this, at a time when he was probably so lonely, it's so neat to me that he said, let me go in here to find my friends. Let me go in here to find my heroes. At a time where he had to stand alone and not be influenced by everything that was going on, these became his people and his heroes. And I think high school is such a hard time and junior high. And there will be times when you stand alone. There's another moment in here, and we're going to talk about it in a second, where he says, and I did stand as an idle witness. And you just... You get this feeling of him having to stand alone and stand back and stand by as everything that was going on. And I don't know about you as a teenager, but I had moments like that where I can remember even specifically a time where I just felt by the spirit, it's time to pick new friends. It's time to go a different direction than the one you're headed in. And I knew the spirit was right. But the thought of eating lunch by myself the next day and going to my locker by myself and walking to my classes by myself, like that gave me a lot of anxiety, you know, of, well, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, about that. when you, when Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount and he talks about sometimes you have to cut off relationships, he compares it to like cutting off an arm. Yeah. And I think that's a good comparison because it's like, Jesus is almost saying, I know how hard this is going to be. And how to, much it will hurt. To leave a relationship and to be alone. He, he says, I, I would almost compare it to having your arm, you know, cut mm -hmm. off. Like that is going to be, be so difficult. And, and for him to like just cling on to these past heroes. Yeah, and, and that like, might be you. I mean, you may be in that spot. And if it is, there are people in this book and in the New Testament, and in the Old Testament, and in the Doctrine and Covenants, that can be your heroes at this time, that can sustain you and give you ideas of how to move forward. And sometimes you're like, I don't think that's going to work, but it it worked for Mormon. Yeah, and this... I love that it did. Uh, this cute 15 year old boy that was like, this is this is my hero right now. Yeah. And this is actually another spot when I was reading that I thought of Joseph because while they were translating this section, yeah. it would have still been the time when no one else was allowed to see the plates mm. and what a burden that was to carry that alone and and how he maybe must have felt as he translated this and thought, I mean, Oliver, you're my best guy. Thank you. <laughs> but like even like I, I still am a little alone yes. in this and... Um, Maybe that would have encouraged him. Yeah. We're going to go to this next section where it's like, um, are you ready for this next yeah. section? Where it's like now almost like Mormons now standing up. He's like, okay, Abinadi had his moment, you know, um, Samuel Lamanite had his, Moroni had his, this is mine. Mm -hmm. This is my moment. And sort of what that moment looks like 
for him. We see over the next couple of chapters. So starting in Mormon chapter 3, verse 2, you'll see the list on your study guide paper to kind of fill this and it's in. It's going to be right here. Yeah, this section right here. That number that's one. That's what he did. It's just yeah, so fun to think about. Like, this is this is what he's like, all right, this is my moment. This is my time. This yeah. is what I'll do. So in that verse 2, he says, It came to pass, the Lord did say unto me, and we don't have this on the list, but I think it's, it is worth pointing out that he got his mission call from the Lord. Right, he was. He didn't just like look at the world and think, okay. But so it's neat to think. Oh, he must have sought. Okay, so what do you want me to do? Yeah. And it says the Lord tells him, "Cry unto this people." And it's interesting. Let's just pause for a second, because remember in chapter one, verse sixteen, he was forbidden to preach. Like the Lord was like, "Do not preach unto this people." And it's so interesting. He goes through that preparation. He sees the Lord. He goes through all these things, and then the Lord finally comes, and he's like, "Okay." Now. Open your mouth. Yes. Sometimes there's times to be quiet, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. And like, I was thinking about this on the drive over, and I don't remember why I was listening to something in the New Testament, so I don't even know where I was. Mm -hmm. But sometimes being a disciple of Christ requires you to like stop, you know, and wait. And then this is a time when he's like, okay, now move. And he says, cry unto this people, repent ye, or turn ye, or make room ye, or prepare your hearts, right? All those great synonyms we've looked at over the year and come unto me and, and enter into relationship, covenant relationship, be baptized and build up this movement, this church, and you will be spared of all of, of the heartache that you're causing yourself. You'll be spared of all of that, if you will. And that, that was his message. And that's what he did. And you love that. The, it just shows that character of the Lord that he's like, I'm going to give you one more chance. Like I, this is, let's try Mormon, let's try one more time. And it's that God of second chances and third chances and as many chances. You know, this is it. This is this is the last time. This is the last call. And and you watch what he does. Like he's yeah. not just like, okay, everyone, repent. <laughs> he's like dives in. Yeah, and it is against a brick wall. And in his observations, he says in... Um, Verse 12, it says, Behold, I had led them, notwithstanding their weakness, I mean their wickedness, I had led them into battle. I stayed with them. Remember that one time he quits for a second? He's like, I quit. I will not do this again. And then he's like, fine, I will help. Yes. He just has that pouting moment for a second, which is good. And he's like, and a recharge. Yeah. And he's like, and I had loved them. Oh, I love that part the most. Me too. But the next line is even better. Like, According to the love of God, which was in me. And it's interesting that he's like, I was able to love them consistently because I felt that love of God in me. And you love that he didn't just a little bit love them. I love when he's like, I love them with all my heart. Like he just, he gave, even though they weren't doing what they were supposed to, they didn't even want to listen to him. They probably hated everything he said, but he's like, I love them. I loved them. I love when he says, I poured out my heart in prayer for them. Yeah. And sometimes you might be the one who's like, Maybe your kids are struggling with the church right now, or maybe there's things that are hard in your home or in your relationships or in your family. And I just think this is such a great place to think, what does it look like to love them with your whole heart, to pour out your um, whole soul in prayer for them, and then to let the Spirit be like, let's, let's try leading them like this. Let's just try this right now. I just love that cyclical process that's happening right there yeah and it's it just makes me think about how exhausting that can be you know to do that to just to pour out and and to receive no reciprocation from those that you are yeah trying but, to but love to and lead just love and lead and pray and which means his source of being filled is actually not them That's and it's sometimes so it sometimes can be you know mm -hmm. if you're in like a gospel doctrine class or something and you love and people love you back it's yeah. like oh i like this relationship but if i'm pouring out and and it's not being received back that means my source of fill up is, is somewhere and different. hopefully it's there yeah where right? else would hopefully it be that where else is you know where it's coming and then he says in this 16 and 17 where he says um i did stand the lord commanded me not to go anymore and i did stand as an idle witness to manifest unto the world the things which I saw and heard. And I, I actually think it's neat that he says both those words. I did stand. You know, there's mm -hmm. something about that. 
I, I stand as an as a witness, and it's it's fun that that reminds you of the covenant made at the waters of Mormon, you know, where he's mm-hmm. just like to stand as a yeah. as a witness. Um, but this time, one that just and I love that it's idle. That it's yeah. it almost makes you think um, that he was looking for a word that would explain not moving. Like I I could not be moved. I was a witness that could not be moved, even though. Everything around me would suggest otherwise. Yeah. Um, let's save this know you not for the end and just go on to the problem where he just... You yeah. Want, you want to do that? Yeah. You do this one. I'll do this. And then you okay. jump into that at the end. Where he just says... I mean, it's it's a... It really is having no impact and it's not moving anywhere at all as he stands as this witness before them. And he diagnoses the problem. Chapter four is just sadness. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just like... Oh, it's I, so sad. I, you don't even want to read it. Just read the heading and be sad. <laughs> um, it's interesting. Actually, I was thinking about this. That there's this. I wrote this down and I was like, Mormon 110, like he mentions a place where one of the battles mm-hmm. took place and it was the waters of Sidon. And don't you remember in the time of Ammon that the waters of Sidon became a place of miracles and a place of changing hearts and a place of unity and now it's this place of war and it's like oh how sad that it's like these these great places but he says here's the problem um chapter five verse one he just says and it came to pass i did go forth among the the nephites and to repent of the oath that i made that i would no more assist him than it was (laughs) he's just like i'm never helping you again um and they gave me command again to their armies for they looked upon me as though i could deliver them from their afflictions which is so interesting if you read that twice. Yeah. Because who should deliver you? Exactly. So if you look at the other verse we have in verse 10, he just says, Now behold, this I speak unto their seed. Which is interesting because Mormon's still a witness. He tells you that as I was an idol witness so that I could tell this story to a future generation. There are still those that, I, that this witness can help. And he mm-hmm. says, I said to their seed and also the Gentiles um, who will take care of this book so that they would realize and know from whence their blessings actually come. It's not from my skill. It's not from my strength, but he says that was the problem is they look to me instead of to God yeah, for, for their strength and deliverance. Yeah. That's so interesting. And then he's going to give this call that is so good. It, it becomes the best lesson of one through six. He's going to describe this um, group of people in verse 18 He says, but now behold, they are led about by Satan, even as chaff is driven before the wind or as a vessel is tossed about upon the waves without sail or anchor or without anything wherewith to steer her. And even as she is, so are they. And it's so interesting to me that what what he ends up defining the problem is they think I'm going to deliver them from their afflictions. I'll be the deliverer without realizing God is the deliverer. And because of that mistake, then they're like this boat that can't steer and doesn't have a sail and it doesn't have an anchor. There's nothing that holds them on course. They have no way to navigate. They have no direction in their life and they have no solid place that holds them down. And don't you love that Jesus is described as those three things, the navigator and um, the map giver and the the anchor. the anchor, that's what it becomes. Which is so interesting because the storm doesn't change for anybody. All people experience the storm. And he just says, this group of people just didn't have a sail yes. or a guide or an anchor. Or an anchor. And he's like, yeah. It's so interesting because I was cleaning out our my closet the other day, which nobody wants to do that. I'll just tell you right now, but I started going through all of our backpacks and bags that were in there and I was just like making sure there wasn't anything in there that was super important that I was going to throw out or send to um, the thrift store. And I pulled this thing out of this bag and I was like, what is this? It's really heavy, everyone, first of all. Also, what do you even use this for? Have you ever seen one of these in your life? Looks like a binky. I have never seen one in my life, but it looks like this, everyone. Greg was cleaning out his drawers, so he was in the other room, and I was sitting in the closet cleaning out my stuff. Do you want to know stuff. what's in everybody's junk drawers now? <laughs> yes. Because that's in Greg's. <laughs> and I was 
like, what is this? I came out of the room and Greg was like, garbage. That was the first thing he said to me. And I was like, because he was like helping me stay on task. But listen, who doesn't want to know what this is? So I was like, no, what is this? And he's like, garbage. I don't need it anymore. You can put it in the garbage. And I was like, no, I'm seriously asking you, like, what even is this? What would someone use this for? Why is he carrying it around in his backpack, everyone? And he was like, oh, you can put these in cement and it becomes an anchor in cement. Greg puts up tents. That's what his job is. And you can anchor this down and then it, it becomes a stronghold for something. And then I was like, oh, I love this. I told Greg, this is not garbage because <laughs> if you're a seminary teacher, all of a sudden this became a really good lesson, right? Do you want me to wear this as a necklace? Because it's just such a great lesson of um, this anchor, this like, that's what they needed. They need the thing that could go in the ground and it would be that sure, you know, I, yeah, what if the storm came? It's okay because you are anchored. And I think that's important. There's two lessons we want to teach you at the end. One has to do with this and one has to do with that. Oh, yeah. That hopefully will remind you. Um, two lessons at the end to remember. And one is this. Are you anchored in Christ? And what would you need to do to be more anchored there? And the other one is where you're going to go. Yeah. I'll he, hold this. He asks them. It's It's... It's Mormon sitting up on his hill. You've seen the picture before. And all these battles have been fought and everybody dies. <laughs> they do. He just lists. And then oh, these 10,000 so and many. these 10,000 and these 10,000. Your mind can't even imagine. Like, it just is awful. The scene is horrific. It makes you never want to go there. Yes. It just is like, oh. This... And that little number, that little handful, how many is 24 it? 24 left. So then just 24 of us left. And next time... He's going to say, and they all got hunted down um, also. And he's up there on the hill and, and looks at this, oh, ye fair ones, you know, that where he just looks at him and he's like, oh, this didn't have to happen. It didn't have to be this way. It didn't have, like, it didn't have to end like this. And he's talking to a future, he's talking to them, sort mm. of, in a poetic way, but really talking to us and just saying, oh, Look, this doesn't have to be your life. It doesn't have to end this way. And he, he wants them to remember two truths that we wrote on, on here in chapter 5, verse 23, and then chapter 6, verse 17. But in 523, it's a follow-up of 20 and 21 um, and 22, where he just says, remember the covenant which God made to the house of Israel. The one that says, I won't keep reaching out. I won't stop reaching out. <laughs> like, Wait a minute, I <laughs> like, have to ah, that's that one. the devil's one. The Lord says, I and then remember this is in the title page. I will not stop reaching out to you. And he just says, um, he will remember the prayers of the righteous that were put up to him. Know ye not, verse 23, that you are in the hands of God and that he has all power. Uh, he can be an anchor to your soul. Don't you know that? That you're in his hands and his hands are gentle, but they are strong and they can hold you. And then in chapter 6, verse 17, know ye not, he says, that those arms of his um, are open, ready to receive you. Don't you know that, that that's what he's like? Don't ever feel like I've gone too far or not in this kind of world or not in my age or anything that is. You have to know that those strong gentle, anchoring, guiding arms are not only his arms, but they're open, ready to receive anyone who wants to come into them. The call is out there. And, and that's what he wants to teach. Oh, to I love everyone. that. In my scriptures, I have this at sign written right there next to 17. Is that what it was? Verse 17. Yeah. Um, just that thought that his arms are, are open and are you in them? Like, where are you at right now? Because if he's standing there, arms wide open, with that invitation of like, here, let me rescue you and deliver you and heal you and and save you at any cost and by any means, uh, he, he couldn't give more than what he offers us. 
And I just love to ask myself this all the time. Where, where am I at with that invitation? And am I entering in? Am I allowing him to hold me in his hands? Or am I too stubborn? Or I want to do it my way? Or I've, I've got this right now. But just that thought of, should you just take a little pause and think for a minute, where am I at with Jesus in my life right now? And where could I be? That, and that second question I think is so important. Like whatever the answer is to where I'm at, you should know that there is a could be, hmm. you know, that's yeah. connected to that. And actually I was just thinking this, because remember I said that about the waters of Sidon, mm-hmm. how it used to be a place of, well, what's funny is the place where this last battle takes place is a place called Camorra. And I don't care to argue if it's the same place or not, mm-hmm. but I, it is interesting to me that in Mormon's day, the word Camorra was nauseating. But in our day, it's a day that speaks hope and and brightness and goodness. And, and it's interesting that God can take Camorra and turn it into oh, I just love that so much. In fact, I've been wearing this necklace. My cute friend made me this necklace. And it's like an upside down rainbow. I know, I've been noticing it. it. It's so cute. It also a little bit hints to me of a menorah um, because that's what it looks like, which makes me think of two times when God did things, turn things upside down, right? With Noah and then with that temple, those eight days when he was like, all of a sudden the oil was enough and there was that promise and it just hints of a God of miracles. And it both of those were at a time where things were turned upside down, just like Kimura, right? On the day those plates went in, it was such a sad day. You would have said hope was gone in that moment. And I love that this thought of upside down hope when God's like, the next time someone touches that cement box and lifts out those plates, what that emotion is gonna be is just hope. It's God, coming through in a moment where you thought maybe he had forgotten yeah. the people. And don't you love that? That's why I that's why I was like, I love that the rainbow's upside down because it's just that thought, especially in 2020, of that upside down hope, that writing up of what isn't right in the world. Yeah. And it's neat that it's actually Moroni who will bury them. Yes. And then him who gets to come back. And yes. he almost wants to say to Joseph, Listen, last time I was here, you would have thought that God is a kind of God who gives up on people. I'm so happy to rewrite or that, tell the true story. Yes. Tell what he's actually yeah. like. So, um, oh, so good. It seems so sad, but it's just an evidence of, of like, oh, but God's going to turn this around like he can do with, with any life. And speaking of Moroni, we'll meet him next time and just see like what his last sermon is going to be. Uh, well, his first of three last sermons. Yes. Like, you think I the Book of Mormon's part. ending? This is such a good says, part right here. He's going to say goodbye yeah. three times. And next time's his first goodbye. And just kind of his, like, just a yeah. great, great message yeah. from him. Don't so want to miss it. Okay, right. have a good See week. See you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.